Hi, welcome to this podcast presented to you by Natural Gas World. In a nutshell, today we will be speaking with Alex Barnes, visiting research fellow at the Oxford Institute of Energy Studies and a consultant with Alex Barnes and Associates. Alex is an expert in regulatory affairs and uh, he's written a paper together with Katja Yafimava, who is a senior research fellow also at the Oxford Institute for Energy Studies. And the paper is about the EU's new hydrogen strategy, which was presented in the summer. My name is Carl Beckman, and I'm editor-in-chief of Gas Transitions, which is a monthly magazine published by Natural Gas World that deals with the energy transition the gas industry is confronted with. And uh, a lot of what we write about is about hydrogen. Now, Alex, um, you wrote a paper about this uh, EU's new hydrogen strategy. Why, uh, together with, with Katja, why did you do so? Why is this important? Well, I think the, the Commission has made it clear that they want to be net zero by 2050. They've also announced tougher targets for 2030. And on that basis, they're very clear that natural gas usage, which is a significant percentage of European energy supply, can't continue in the way that it does now. Hydrogen uh, has a possibility both in terms of replacing energy for those users who can't use electricity, and also uh, it represents a potential future for, the, for natural gas because you can produce natural gas with low carbon emissions, uh, sorry, produce hydrogen with low carbon emissions from natural gas. So I think hydrogen, is, as well as being key to decarbonization, it also has a very important uh, role for the future of the natural gas industry. Okay, yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll come to that in, in a moment. But uh, before uh, we talk about your, the type of hydrogen that, um, that, that Europe will need or is going to use, uh, can you tell me uh, uh, what are the main sort of takeaways from this strategy? I mean, what, what um, are the plans from the European Commission? Sure. Well, the, the first one is that they've recognized that you can't go an all-electric route to decarbonize the European economy. And that's quite a big shift um, and a key recognition that uh, decarbonization is going to require a lot more sort of revolutionary change than simply replacing fossil fuel generation with uh, renewable generation. The second thing is uh, that they recognize the uh, whilst green hydrogen, or what they call renewable hydrogen, that's hydrogen from electrolysis, is their long-term preference, that there is definitely a role for so-called blue hydrogen, low-carbon hydrogen from natural gas. And I think the third thing is that they've recognized that there's you have to create a new uh, value chain, both supply and demand, and of course the infrastructure to connect the two, and that this is going to require a lot of financial support, so they've made clear uh, that they have a number of different mechanisms in mind which could uh, which could do this. Hmm. Okay, let, let, let's look at this issue of, of uh, the type of hydrogen then. Um, the, 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 the strategy actually has definitions of, of many different types of hydrogen. I think uh, most of our listeners will be familiar with the terms like blue and green hydrogen. 
blue hydrogen being you know, made from natural gas uh, in combination with uh, ca carbon capture and storage and green hydrogen you know being made from uh, renewable energy with elect uh, electrolysis two very different processes and obviously you know for the natural gas industry it makes a huge difference um, which type of hydrogen uh, will be used now you're saying uh, the, the European Commission, uh, sees a definite role for blue hydrogen, um, but when I read the strategy, I, uh, you know, th there there are some uh, indications of the kind of money that will be spent on uh, blue and and green, and uh, actually, I they're, they're projecting a very limited amount of money being spent on blue, and they seem to be seeing it as a uh, purely as a as a very temporary. Uh, transition and uh, they believe that green hydrogen will in the end be you know dominant uh, what, what is your take on that no you're, you're absolutely right there is a very clear preference for uh, green hydrogen or renewable hydrogen as they call it in the strategy and as, as Katya and I uh, wrote in our paper Green hydrogen is very much the teacher's pet, whereas blue hydrogen is some, somewhat of the sort of you know less less favoured one, as it were, the uh, the underdog. Um, the numbers are quite stark. So, for example, by 2050, the EU expects investments of up to 470 billion in uh, renewable hydrogen, but only up to uh, 18 billion in low carbon hydrogen. So that's you know less than four four percent. Now they've made their preference for renewable hydrogen clear because they say that's the only thing that's sustainable in the long term because it has a zero carbon footprint. Um, but on the other hand, low carbon hydrogen can make a big contribution because it still reduces the carbon emissions in the short to medium term and indeed in the long term significantly. And the problem that you have with the renewable hydrogen is that it requires a massive scale up in renewable generation. And if you think that you already have a significant portion of existing electricity generation, which is not yet covered by renewable generation, if you're going to produce hydrogen from renewables on top of that, you've got a lot of investment. So, for example, by 2030, the strategy expects between uh, 220 and 340 billion invested in the renewable generation capacity needed to supply their uh, projected electrolyzers. So these are, these are very big numbers and you know, they have to be somehow funded. Um, I, th I think the, the risk is that by focusing so much on the renewable hydrogen and because as you say, they only see it as a short to medium term thing is, there's a risk that companies might be discouraged from investing because they'll have a limited time based on the commission's uh, apparent approach to to gain a, a return on their investment. And although uh, the commission says that a lot of their proposed support mechanisms are there for uh, uh, low carbon hydrogen, it's clear that some, some of the some of the mechanisms, like the direct support mechanisms, are there only for renewable hydrogen. So if you don't meet your renewable generation targets to produce enough renewable electricity, you won't be able to produce enough renewable hydrogen, which means you might miss your overall decarbonization targets. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you think this risk could be addressed? Uh, the, the commission seems to be uh, suggesting that the best way to finance 
uh, sort of the gap in cost because it's clear that that uh, there will have to be government support uh, for the whole uh, hydrogen uh, economy. That what they're suggesting is if you if you do technology neutral auctions for you know uh, for contracts for difference, then the market will decide you know, which type of uh, hydrogen will be produced. Do you think that's a good uh, solution? I, I certainly agree with the technology neutral because at the end of the day, what we're trying to decarbonize and we need to decarbonize as quickly as possible because we've only got 30 years. And of course, if you put more uh, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere today, it means you have to cut emissions even more sharply in the future because the greenhouse gas emissions stay in the atmosphere for many, many decades. So that's, that's your problem. In terms of the contracts for difference, this is where as we say in our paper, you know, the uh, low carbon hydrogen may get some benefit because the costs of low carbon hydrogen are very much lower than the current projected costs for the yeah. uh, renewable hydrogen. So for example, just to give you an idea of the scale of figures, low carbon hydrogen worked out at about 60 euros per megawatt hour based on the figures in the commission's paper. To, uh, they, these are current production costs. So that doesn't include the transport and the changes in equipment needed to, to use the hydrogen versus between 75 and 165 euros per megawatt hour for renewable hydrogen. So that's a, that's a big, big gap. And then therefore the the key factor will be is whether there's any kind of weighting for carbon footprints. But low carbon hydrogen, although there are still some emissions, still has a very low carbon footprint and certainly a lot lower than fossil fuels used uh, unabated at the moment. So that's an area where the contracts for difference may actually help low carbon and carbon hydrogen. But a lot depends on how long the commission or national governments are prepared to uh, uh, finance uh, low carbon hydrogen and enable companies to get a return on the investment. If they're saying they're only seeing a window of opportunity of between five and 10 years, then that's not really a lot of time to get, get a return on what are very big investments. But yeah, by just to be clear, by low carbon hydrogen, you mean the blue version? Yes, although in the commission's paper, low carbon hydrogen also includes uh, electrolysis which may use some non-renewable electricity uh, but for me that seems like kind of shooting yourself in the foot because if you've got uh, if you're using non-renewable electricity to produce hydrogen you're actually making situation worse because the conversion from fossil fuel to electricity has emissions but then the conversion from that fossil fuel based electricity to hydrogen has a further loss in the conversion process Right. So yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for an environmental point of view. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting is that in the paper, they don't include any role for in their definitions for electricity from nuclear, which of course is also, you know, zero carbon, but they don't include that in their definition for uh, what they call clean or, or, or renewable hydrogen. At the moment, clean hydrogen equals renewable hydrogen equals green hydrogen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the nuclear issue is interesting, of course, but uh, let's not go into that uh, today. Just, you know, um, on on uh, if if you look at this this uh, from a broad perspective, and then you think about the the renewable energy that's needed, the amount of renewable energy needed for to meet, say, the hydrogen 
target that they are uh, that they are proposing. Uh, somebody from the Commission actually told me that uh, you know that there's no problem there. That if, for example, Spain and Portugal would produce, uh, they, they they can produce with the solar power capacity that that they have. They could produce enough energy, not just electricity, energy to to for the whole of of Europe. Um, how, how do you look at that? Is is that true? Well, I, th I think that the, I'd put the question around. If there's so much uh, potential for renewable electricity, why isn't just electricity demand decarbonized now? Because in 2019, 36% of the EU, and that includes, uh, that's EU 27 plus UK uh, generation, was either coal or gas-based. So it's not enough to say that, oh, there's plenty in Spain and Portugal. It's what is it going to cost and how are you going to get it to where, where it needs to be? And that's always going to be, uh, going to be an issue. And, uh, whilst, you know, I have no, no problem with the, with the targets for decarbonization, I think they're absolutely essential because of the climate change issues. I, I do have an issue with we have to make sure that the way we get there is as feasible as possible. And that means can you create enough investment in time in the various forms of energy? Can you get them at reasonable cost? Can you convert people to them and get sort of political acceptability as, as well along the way? And those are the key issues. And that's something which I think is missing from the hydrogen strategy, which is a test of how feasible is it to build up all the renewable generation, which is going to be needed in excess of what you're already going to need to do to replace existing fossil fuel generation and supply increased electricity demand for those big sectors of the economy that are, that are going to electrify because there's a lot of the economy whether it be home heating uh, battery vehicles etc which are going to electrify so you've got a big big goal and interesting enough the commission admits that they will not be able to produce enough hydrogen themselves they will rely on imports so uh you know again i just come back to yes there's lots of potential but potential isn't the same as reality as as i wrote in uh, uh, a previous paper i did on decarbonizing gas for uh, scenarios are not forecasts they're what's possible but there are a lot of things that are required to make something actually happen in practice so are you saying that the, the commission in some sense is you know falling down on the job that the that the, the, the strategy is is not 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 good enough to to uh, realize what what they what they want to achieve, and and if so, a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I think it's a very good first step. It's what I would call a vision. It's an amb ambition. If mm -hmm. if you can say say the strategy to be a worked out way as how to how you achieve your goals, then I don't think it's fully there yet. So for example. It's great that they, they recognize the need to, uh, to build up a value chain and create a market from scratch. And they propose various mechanisms and funding that could, uh, that could help support that. But there's no detail on how any of those work. So there's a lot of question there. The numbers themselves, you know, they, they, they say there could be investment of between 180 and 470 billion euros in renewable hydrogen. That's a big range. You know, 180 to 470. You know, that's that's a very big range. So that that implies there's a bit of uncertainty as to how much this will do uh, uh, cost, and therefore how you're going to do it. Um, we already mentioned the big discrepancy between low carbon hydrogen investment, you know, three to 18 billion versus uh, 
the renewable hydrogen. I also think that they've got a they've got a clear vision of what they ultimately want, which is a liquid sort of traded competitive hydrogen market, very much similar to what we have in natural gas today. But they haven't addressed the issues of how you actually get there, because it's one thing as we did you know, over the last 20 years to liberalize an existing profitable, mature market, which was natural gas. And it's another thing to create a, a market from scratch. And, and the two require different forms of regulation. And that, again, is something which is uh, missing from the, uh, fr from the, from the strategy as, as it is today. So a great first step, great that I think they've identified a number of the issues, but there's going to be a lot of work required to sort of make it come true in practice. Okay, so final question, uh, Alex. Um, what does this all mean for the gas industry? I mean, if, if you're, you have a consultancy, if you had to advise a, 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 the board of a, a gas company in Europe, uh, what would you tell them what the implications are of this uh, hydrogen strategy? Sure, okay. Well, first of all, it depends which part of the chain you're in. Um, so let, let's let, look at them differently. If you're a producer of natural gas and supplying Europe on that basis, then the direction of travel is clear that they want to decarbonize. There are opportunities for blue hydrogen. And I think if uh, as a company you can persuade uh, government that blue hydrogen can have a, a significant role in reducing uh, CO2 emissions, then the, that the opportunity is, is there. If you're a TSO, your situation is slightly different because, of course, uh, existing gas pipelines, natural gas pipelines, can be converted to hydrogen. There's been some very interesting work by various TSOs on that, for example, the Hydrogen Backbone Report. But there is the issue of how you transition from the current natural gas market to a future hydrogen market and what you're going to do with your natural gas assets. and how things will be regulated if they convert to hydrogen, how will that be allowed in your asset base, et cetera. And this is one of the key areas that, as I say, hasn't really been covered. And if you're a supplier of natural gas, the issue is how is uh, demand for hydrogen going to, going to take off and how is that going to be encouraged or required or forced? And what does that mean for you supplying natural gas to customers? Because again, you've got the issue that you've got, how do you transfer from the existing natural gas market to the future decarbonized uh, hydro, uh, hydrogen market? And what, what does that mean for the number of customers you supply? And there are, for example, issues such as quality issues and so forth. And that also applies to TSOs. So the key thing for all, for all three players in the chain is not so much where the commission is going, which is pretty clear what the commission's ambition is, but how do they get there? And that is a wide open field, which is still to be developed. Okay. Well, thanks. I, I think you'll probably be writing more papers about that in, in the future uh, with, with uh, Katja. And uh, I recommend all our listeners to, uh, to uh, read uh, their paper. It's free, freely available on the website, Oxford Institute for Energy Studies. All their papers are great, and I, I hope Brexit will not uh, make them uh, change their focus uh, uh, too much. And uh, if you're interested in, um, in what the energy transition means for the gas industry, I also uh, hope you will uh, look at our uh, monthly publication gas transitions which uh, 
comes uh, if you have a premium subscription it it uh, it's uh, it comes free with that uh, if you have a premium subscription to natural gas world so thank you very much for your attention i hope this has been uh, helpful thank you alex and uh, have a nice day all our listeners thank you carol good to speak to you